Hello, hey, and welcome to Ask the Color Expert. My name is Elaine Travis. I am a career hair colorist, independent educator, and author of the book, A Colorful Journey. I'm here every week sharing tips, tricks, and stories that are all things hair color. Thanks for joining me, and let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to the Ask the Color Expert podcast. Today's special guest is Chris Suleme. He wears a lot of hats. He's been a lifetime salon guy. He's an educator, a podcaster. And about five minutes ago, I found out a lot more about what he has going on. And we're going to connect and do some fun things together. So he is uh, passionate about our industry. He's been around for a long time. And uh, we have a lot to talk about. So welcome, Chris. Thanks for being here. We do. And thank you, Elaine. I'm super stoked. Awesome. I'm going to change the view here. I don't like going cross-eyed looking at you here. All right, that's better. So let's catch up. You and I haven't spoken since I was on your podcast. And funny story for anyone who hasn't heard the podcast that Chris and I did together. Um, He and John, you know, we'd start talking. Whenever you're interviewed for a podcast, you start talking before you're recording and you're sharing things and you're doing the banter. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm like, wow, it's like, we're like 15 minutes in and we haven't started recording yet. Like this is really going to be a long day. And then John said something and I was like, oh my God, well, this is it. This is the podcast. Like they've been recording this whole time. So it was actually pretty funny. And it, and it made for, I think it was an entertaining episode because of that, because, you know, a lot of times people get so, I don't know about you, but when I invite people to be on the podcast, I'm always shocked at how nervous they are. Yeah. Because most of the times I already know the person. So we have yeah. a relationship and they're like, you know, what kind of questions are you going to ask me? I'm so nervous. I'm like, why are you so nervous? And then after five minutes, they forget they're even being recorded and it becomes this great conversation. So I'm not worried about you being nervous because you're very seasoned in this world. <laughs> well, and here's what I'll say about that. The best conversations are the ones that happen the first time around. And, you know, we were talking about this before we got started. Like life is a real thing. And too many people are editing themselves on video or online down to this point where they take all the humanness out of it. And, you know, the reality is, is like in regular life and regular conversations, we're making mistakes all the time and self-correcting and it's fine. Life is fine. And it's like, it's better if you, I think if you leave it in that first time around, rather than trying to recreate and and make it sound like less authentic, you know? Every time I'm in an in-person event, I do retreats twice a year for hairstylists and I live for those retreats. I love the connection. I love just what happens organically at them. And this one attendee I had never met before, she you know, found it on Facebook, I think. And she came up to me and she grabbed both of my hands. It was like an Oprah moment. She literally grabbed both of my hands And she said, I know that God brought you into my life for a reason. I was meant to be here this weekend. You are giving me everything that I've been looking for. This has been such, and I was like, I'm looking around the room, like, where's somebody with a camera? Like, these are the testimonials that I need to be able to share with people what I do. And then every single time that happens, I say, can you just, can you just stop talking and can we go grab a camera and can we do that again? And it's never the same to your point it is never, they, they tighten up, 
and mm -hmm. that they sound really rehearsed, like they're being paid to read off of a script. And I'm like, oh man, I always say if I could walk around with a GoPro on my head, I would be a millionaire times, you know, 10, like mm -hmm. I would have so much content and be so entertaining and people would, you know, maybe like Tabitha who guy Tang who like, there's so much that people miss by me not having a person with me filming mm -hmm. that, that that's often what I've thought of for like, I'm like, what's missing in the industry. And to your point, it's the real raw footage of mm -hmm. what goes on. And that's what I love to share. Like if I'm doing something on one of my coaching calls and I'm demonstrating and I mess up, I don't then go back in and edit and say, oh, I that foil bled. I can't have that on my thing. I want my students to see that my foils still bleed. It's a learning you know? experience. Yeah, for sure. So tell me what's going on with you now since we've last gotten together. Well, um, I want to just amplify for one second what you, you know, you were just talking about because life isn't a dress rehearsal. And um, I think I, just like everybody else, you know, we started a podcast in 2018 called Shop Talk. And I, I say that to say it started out in very real conversations because we didn't, number one, have an audience. We knew nobody was going to listen. And we were <laughs> less, so we were less afraid to make mistakes. And um, as the podcast went on, we went through a stage. And by the way, if you're a hairstylist, if you're a salon owner, if you're a human being, there's a lesson in what I'm saying here. Like as it went on, we got better at it. And because of that, we got more prejudice towards our mistakes. And we, you know, really tried to tighten it up and it lost a lot of its humanity. Um, well, I'm a 30 year licensed hairstylist this year. Um, I no longer do hair behind the chair. Um, I have stayed temporary behind the chair here and there since 2013, but I've mainly been an educator. I ran education teams at Kuhn Hair Cosmetics and Living Proof, and then went back into the independent salon world. Um, but I can honestly say like my 48th year of life was when I really got it. Like stop editing yourself. And so you're right. I've been through a transition because some, for some reason, the phase I'm at in my career, I'm able to look back on that 30 years and with 2020 vision, you know, because hindsight's 2020, see the way out of all of the ruts that I had throughout the career. So I had some really successful years behind the chair. And I wish I could just brag about that as, and as a salon owner, but the fact is, is they were usually followed by, or, or the precursor was non-successful times and struggles and ruts. And the realization I've had very recently is like, oh, I caused all of that. Like, yeah, things happen, you know, business has ups and downs and uh, the economy changes, you know, all, all those things are real, but my lack of skill set in the moment um was the reason for the plateaus maybe and and the and the peaks right so there were things you do right in the peaks and i'm spending a lot of time now still educating in the salon world and working with coaches and speakers on that very thing and so the the broad scale topic that i call this 
is personal responsibility. And I'm begging people now to find out, look, if something happened in your life or in your business, um, unless you were just a complete victim, you know, to something terrible that happened and that, that exists. So I want to honor that. But like, even after that, you now get to choose what that meant and how you'll come out of that thing and what you'll decide to learn from it. And um, the more time I've given to that, I haven't come by a circumstance where I haven't seen somebody go through a thing where one portion of the population went through almost the same exact thing and came out better and stronger and others have decided or just haven't gotten to the other side yet where they're still in victimhood. And so that's what I'm calling personal responsibility. And my my claim right now or my stake that I'm driving into the ground is saying, okay, you're at where you're at in life, whether it be from skill building, whether it be um, you're developing as a leader, you're developing as an entrepreneur, you're, de- you're brand new. What role do I play today in making the progress that I want to make in this thing? And that could be anything from grieving and healing to just building a business, you know, to, to getting in shape. Like it could be any of that. It it applies to so many things. And I love that, that in my life coach journey, the biggest blow me over, you know, boulder moment was we create all of our circumstances. I could not, that, that part of the coaching, I just was like, what are you talking, you know, like uh, someone quit. I was still in the salon. I was an owner. I had a very successful salon. And every time I would try to add one more person, it was such a struggle to have them integrate into the culture and be, you know, part of everything. And I was pouring everything I had into this girl and she just up and quit after like a month. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm talking to my coach. I'm like, just put all this time into coaching her. And I really had high hopes. And she said, well, you created that. I'm like, what are you talking about? How did I create that? And I would get so angry talking to her because I was like, I don't get it. I just could not get it. I'm like, why would I make that girl quit if I wanted her to stay? But the deeper that we dove into the coaching and the, you know, emotion of everything and, and how we behave, sets up those circumstances. And once you take ownership and you stop being the victim, everything changes. But I will say it also changes your relationships to the people that have been with you your whole life. That was the most uncomfortable part because once you get your shit together and you stop blaming the outside world for everything that's not going right for you, you start behaving differently. And the people that were down in the ditches with you in the wallowing and self-pity victim role, can't be your friend anymore because they're like, what, what, what are you doing? What's, what's yeah. going on? Why are you doing these things differently? Yeah. A fucking men, you know, it's um, really true that, you know, we get cultivated by our surroundings, by the people around us through no fault of anybody, right? Like right. Every, I believe that every, my belief is every person's doing the best they can with what they have. Yes. I just believe that. So like, if I even see somebody popping off, I just have to realize like, that's where they're at. Um, when you, when you leave where you at, where you're at purposefully, 
and decide you need to go to a better place, that never happens without uh, losing some things, or as I like to call it, letting go of some things. And not, not that I made up letting go, right? That's a thing that's been around for way, way yeah, longer. Rather than, than saying life. losing, it's letting go. That's a I'm letting that, I have to, to let yeah. that go because I'm going someplace different and I can't carry you, know, you with me. Um, and are you hearing the dog bark in the background? Cause I can also mm -hmm. close that. Okay, great. Um, you know, and I can't carry that thing with me in order to get there. I've got to lighten the load along the way. And it's interesting. My sister and I had a conversation about this the other day. Um, because just like any two human beings, we don't see life completely exactly the same. Right. And we have, we have meaningful discussions and she was saying something like, she was calling letting go something different. She was kind of saying like letting people get away with. Mm. And I was saying, no, I'm not letting somebody get away with it. I'm completely letting it go. You're Meaning, detaching from the outcome. Yeah, see, if I'm letting you get away with something, I have to have a hold on it. And, and I've got to have skin in the game. But when something is no longer like, let's say a relationship is no longer serving me in my life. I don't have to hold on to it anymore. Meaning let's say you and I are in a relationship, right? And, and one side of us, it, one of us is emotionally abusing the other, right? Um, letting you get away with it means I'm going to correct your behaviors. Okay. In a way where now I get you to behave in a way that's good for me. Letting it go means I'm either going to allow you to behave without it affecting me and we'll stay in that relationship, which is what a lot of people, you know, unfortunately might do, or I'm going to completely let it go and go, you know what, Elaine, this has been nice, <laughs> but this thing has come to an end. And I'm not even mad at you. Motley Crue said it really well. Like they had that song, girl, don't go away, mad, just go away. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I I'm not mad, but you know, this thing isn't working. And, and remember, that's like, you know, we have relationships in life that some of them we are not stuck in, let's say, but we've committed to be in. That's where we're going to be. Let's say a working relationship. And we just happen to know that this person operates differently than me. And they're a good person and they're a part of the deal, right? Teamwork, they're, they're, they are equally belong there as I do, but for whatever reason, they don't operate the way I do. Again, like there's a part of that, whereas as a team, we have to compromise, we do things, but there's the other piece of it where we're going to be much happier if you're a pitcher and I'm a catcher, or if I'm a right fielder, um, let me play right field. You pitch. And we're going to be a better team because of it. So there's all kinds of way I'm kind of seeing this now, you know, and in my own life, I, you know, I've got seven brothers and sisters, so I'm just calling oh, it wow. like, like, <laughs> I just, you know, I just want everybody to live their own lives in a happy way, you know? So, so are, you a all... are you a middle child in that? No, I'm number seven. I'm really? number seven. Yeah. That's interesting. Cause I'm the baby too. What is it about the baby that we end up being the person that's trying to keep everybody together and on the same playing for like I, I see it a lot I, like one of my dear friends is the baby of her family we 
say all the time that we have those same things in common with our role in the family unit and what mm -hmm. it looks like. Because you would think that the eldest would have that role, mm -hmm. but the eldest is usually the biggest victim, what I've seen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or they're the director, you know, they 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 want to try to, you know, kind of control. And the reality is, is like these roles all exist. Family just kind of really puts them under a spotlight. Right. Um, I think if you could sit, you know, I think of in my, my role as the youngest, right. And again, I'll kind of relate this to everybody. A lot of times you just have to sit and watch for a while. Cause you're the youngest, right. So like, you know, for a while, you're just watching people. And some of the things that you get to learn from your family are like, Oh, that I want to do that. That's, they made the right move there. I'm going to follow in those footsteps. Others you go, Oh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> um, and so maybe it's that, you know, who, who knows? The other thing is, you know, you don't get to make your own, like you make your own choices, but there's a while there where you're, no matter what choice you make, you're doing what the pack does. And um, you can learn from that because like right now with life and again, like salon hairstylist, salon owner, um, heck, legal professional, right? You put yourself where you're at or you're there and maybe it feels like you can't change the circumstances, which is sometimes the case, especially if you work in corporate. You know, if you work in corporate and you're trying to change the corporate culture and you're not the CEO, forget about it. You're not the person right. who changes that. Um, so you have to decide like, am I okay in this situation and can I find the best way that I can contribute in that way? And that's, you know, when I'm talking to young salon professionals right now, I go, look, you want to know what, what the best thing you could do is today? Be the best shampooer in the salon. Be the, be the most memorable experience at the shampoo bowl that any client could have. So when they walk away, they go, is Elaine here today? Yeah. How come? Well, because I was hoping she would shampoo my hair again. And they go, well, she's on the floor now. She's not doing that anymore. And the next thing you know, they're in your chair. Like not yeah. that you're, you know, stealing people's, but, but they remembered you create a memorable experience wherever you're at. And again, this all goes back to personal responsibility for me. I love that because right now the trend is skipping over the apprentice associate shampoo, all of that phase. Yeah. And in my book, I talk about in the very first chapter that the biggest mistake that I made in my career was thinking that I could skip that stage. I shampooed while I was in school. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I've been doing this the whole time I've been in school. I'm yeah. ready to go behind it. I was so not ready to go behind the chair. So I had yeah. a chair. Yeah. I had my own chair in a salon where I could do what I wanted to do, but I didn't know how to do any of it. A client yeah. would come in and ask for hair color and I would spend 10 minutes in the consultation talking them out of color and into yeah. either a perm or a different haircut, something that I was more confident in. Uh -huh. So I really stress that. Like if I teach on stage now, the first thing I do is say, I know the shiny object of having a suite sounds amazing, but if you have no experience, no confidence, no fundamentals, and more importantly, no clients, uh -huh. It's really important to get into a salon culture where you have people that you can look up to and mentor you and show you what it looks like 
when a client is being combative or disrespectful and crossing boundaries, like that's stuff you can't learn in school. You have to learn that on the spot in the situation. And better to watch a senior stylist of, you know, your 30 years versus someone who's a year out of school who's like, this lady's yelling at me. I don't know what to do. And, well, then, the, other- and then the problem is they're jumping on social media for their therapy and they're doing screenshots of the conversation on their cell phone of this client belittling them. And everybody jumps in and goes, oh, you know, fuck her, fire her, you know, all that stuff. And I'm like, who's winning here? Yeah. Nobody's winning. The client's not winning. The staff member's not winning. The salon's not winning. It's all a bunch of drama and just distraction of success. Yeah, that's super funny. I mean, I highly agree. Like there's an educator out there who says customer service, like um, younger clients don't, we don't need customer service and it's customer service. And like, I mean, that's just such a ball of horse shit. It's not even funny. It's just, that just, you know, it sounds like somebody that's inexperienced kind of, you know, sharing your experience. I, I have a story around this. It's great because when I was at Kuhn Hair Cosmetics um, as a technical director, right? Meaning I had a title and a, and a, um, credit card that I could take people to dinner on. Um, one of the people that worked inside of that org, uh, artist network at the time was Shannon King. And Shannon's a very experienced educator um, who is spectacular at all levels of what he teaches. And one of the things I used to love watching him and others inside of that network at the time, he's no longer in that network, um, was their flip charting skills as, as you know, when I would write on a flip chart, it looked like chicken scratch. And when they did, it looked like a work of art. And I skipped that day in educator school, <laughs> flip charting. Like that was a thing where I was like, I'm going to use PowerPoints, you know, blah, 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 blah. And, and I didn't, I didn't put in the time that Shannon put in as a young, as a newbie when he was new and man, that guy practiced his flip charts they looked like works of art and he could do it in front of a crowd. Um, you know, and when we talked about it, his, his lips to my ears were, I made hundreds of flip charts for my mentors over time, hundreds. I would spend all day making their flip charts and that's how I got good at it. Shampooing was the same way for me. I shampooed for my brother for a long time. And little did I know that later on in our salon, when Claybaugh gave us this hot tip, you know, to do a five minute shampoo um, for all clients and advertise it. Well, that's what we did later in our business. And I grew multiple stylists to six figure incomes on their shampoo. Like mm-hmm. that's a real thing. And that's not going away. You know, people love to feel like they're having a better experience and paying, spending my money here than somewhere else. So if you can be the person that just decides, hey, I hear all the noise, but if why don't I just go ahead and create a better experience than everybody else is, or, or it's do my best to create an experience and then let the cards fall where they may, the chips, whatever. Um, and to me, like that's, Again, it's like every, I see personal responsibility everywhere. You know, I see it in uh, relationships when people are talking about this one wants me to do that. And, you know, or, or when I hear people lying to their good friend, why they're not coming to their party, you know, like I stopped doing that. I just tell my friend, I'm not going to be there. I don't want to (laughs) come. Yeah. I'm not, (laughs) not you know, I'm not going to be there. And 
what a freeing thing that is. That's personal responsibility. It's not, oh, well, I can have a long week of work. No, I'm not coming. Yeah. And I see it. I see it with family, especially because to your point, like when you're younger, that's all you're around. And I, I watched my, I just stayed with my mom for a couple of days and she was looking for a contractor to do work for her. And this person was driving her. He was calling her like three times a day. Like, did you sign the contract? Did you get the, and I'm like, mom, something's wrong. Like that guy, contractors don't come after you. They're so busy. They don't even have time to look to see if you signed the thing or, or sent the check. So I'm like, yeah. that's a red flag to me. She goes, but I feel so bad. Well, what should I say? Like she wanted to come up with a story. Right. I said, there's no story. No story. You say, thank you for your time. You know, I'm not interested. That's it, yep. period. Like, don't yep. go on with the backstory. I had to let someone go several years ago. And I was like, oh, it doesn't get any easier when you're letting somebody go, especially when they're a really high producer. And she was a very sure. high producer. So I just had enough. And I remember talking to a therapist and I said, you know, when does this get easier? Like I'm taking away people's livelihoods, but they're actually not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Like it's a two, two-way street. And she said, you're going to, you know, invite her to your office. And as soon as she gets there, you're going to say, this is no longer working for me. Today's your last day. And shut up <laughs> after that. Because I always was like, you know, it's not you, it's me. And it's just, you know, the salon, I would have this whole story because yep. I was so uncomfortable yep. about saying, you suck, get out. <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to be that blunt, but yeah. I was just like, you know what? This is no longer working for me. Today's your last day. And she said, okay. And I said, okay. And that was it. And it was the most effortless, easeful, felt right fit. Mm -hmm. And I was like, if I didn't have that therapist tell me to do that, I never would have done that. And that's when I discovered life coaching versus therapy, because I had had enough from the therapy of, of dumping my shit on the therapist's mm -hmm. lap and her saying, so how does that make you feel? So how does mm -hmm. that make you feel? Yeah. So how does that make you feel? And I was like, Oh my God, I, I need like answers. I don't need to just hear back yeah. what I just said. This yeah. is like dear diary shit. Like I'm wasting yeah. a lot of money on this. So the coaching thing was you create your own um, circumstances. You're responsible for everything that happens and the way that people treat you. And no is a full sentence. No is yeah. no. Like when you Ooh, don't want to do something, that. just say no. It's two, two, two letters and it says a whole lot, you know? So, and then that's the hard part is like, once you've been on the journey and I can tell you're either on that journey or finished that journey, because we're talking the same language. Once you're in that life coach world of seeing things from a different lens of not, no longer blaming, no longer being the victim, no longer excusing things. Mm -hmm. You talked about getting in shape. And I, I talk on my coffee chats every year for the past three years about the 30 pounds that I want to want to lose, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm here. I'm sick of hearing myself say it. Mm -hmm. So it's like it takes, taking it that, takes responsibility. that time though. Yeah. It takes yeah. that time. Yeah. That's okay. Because that's a part of the process too. Like, you know, there's a, I um, call it the incubation phase. It's okay to have an intention that you've set that you haven't gotten to yet. Um, and then you can make up rules around that, that work for you. So like that, you know, the 30 pounds or whatever, like I lost 56 pounds at one time in my life. Oh, wow. We need and, to talk um, about that too. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, but, but wh why that, how I had to do that, I had to set a goal and I had to give myself an incubation period. Like let's say a holiday season where I was going to eat whatever I was wanted to eat guilt-free because I knew on this day I was going to stop. And for some reason, that little process works for me for certain goals or for a lot of them. 
um, because it's it's okay if I don't feel like it today, as long as I can come to an agreement with myself that I'll end up keeping mm. because that's um, like the easiest way to describe what builds self-esteem is making an agreement with yourself that you keep and then doing that enough times over time that you that you start to trust yourself and then you know once you once you start to trust yourself again that builds momentum and so agreement keeping is a big part of it and you can start small too you know like you can go forget the 30 i mean we're using the 30 pounds as an example right this can be anything like forget the thing I'm just going to start going for a walk three times a week. Like that, that's what I'm going to start doing. And it might look like that's a benign um, action to take. Like, oh, what's that going to do? But it, it starts momentum. And the things that I can do in the gym today, in all honesty, two years ago, I, I couldn't do. Like I had to set a new standard and make a new agreement with myself that, hey, you know, I don't want 50 to be, yeah, like I don't want 50 to be meaning I'm going over the hill. I I want 50 to be something, you know, that I can be proud of and that I can still feel like myself in my skin. Cause you know this, like as you get older, you're still the same person in there. Then this thing starts to fall apart around you and you go, hey, what the hell's going on here? Um, and I, you know, I just remember years meaning that you were diminishing. And now I think a lot of us are looking around and going, and I mean, I, I know you're a few years younger than me, but like, I think, I think people are going like, like, oh, I didn't realize I was going to have this much time left and I've got wisdom. So I might as well like work on the vehicle and, and you can work on the vehicle both from an external perspective, meaning you, you get better at the thing that you're doing or an internal perspective. Like I got to refine the machine. Um, and I talk to people about like, there's four stages in every endeavor in your life. There's like, you start something, you're new at it. Then you start to build some traction, right? Like maybe you're learning to play the guitar or do hair. Uh, you start to gain a little traction. Then you hit the inflow, like you, you build up some time, you build up some momentum, you've practiced for a few years. Now you're in flow. Like you can do the thing. Eventually you hit a stage and for some people it's sooner for other people it's longer where you start to wonder what's next and in the like what's next you start to get some choices right like am i going to re up and stay committed to the thing you know i'm a 40 year hairstylist behind the chair and i love it like i did day 1 or is it time for me to start to look at what's my next turn around the corner am i a salon owner am i a uh, do I become a cosmetology school teacher? Do I become a platform artist? Do I start a podcast in an education company where I teach people the fundamentals of color, right? Like there are all these choices. And the worst thing that one can do is get to that point where you're wondering what's next and stay in a rut, which is what a lot of people do. And again, to circle back, like you get to choose. 100%. And I love that you just said that because- I see so much of it now more so than any other stage in the salon industry 
where the whole, you know, having to shut down the salon for, you know, it was a two year period where we were open, close, open, close. And people really had to be put into that collective timeout of what is my next step? You know, I had so many people write to me over that time saying, you know, how did you get started in doing what you're doing? And what was your first steps? Because they're all feeling how I felt seven years ago, where I was like, is this really it? Like, am I just going to own a salon and have all the stress and have a groundhog day every single day? Yeah. But when I see other people in that stage that I was in for so long, and they can't take that first important step, it's mm -hmm. like, as, as a coach, it's hard to not be like, want to shake someone and be like, just freaking do it. Like, stop mm -hmm. talking about, you know, you hear people over and over and over again, talking, 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 and it's that fearful first step. And from experience, every big first step that I've taken, I've never looked back and said, why did I do that? It's never been a negative experience, yeah. but the sitting in your diaper and sitting in your shit is an awful experience. Yeah. And it's like crazy that we'd rather sit in a dirty diaper for five years before making one small change yeah. versus how bad can that one step be? If it's a disaster, you just get back in your diaper. It's not yeah. like the dirty diapers going away. Yeah. <laughs> Or you learn something and like, you know, because I'm talking with a lot of podcaster educators lately, I always want to make clear that if you're a salon person and you're listening to this, that might mean it's time to step up and lead your salon. Get out from right? behind the chair. And that, right. That might mean it's time for you, if you're behind the chair, to have your price adjustment and, and walk through the shit of having that conversation with 150 people. And yeah. get to the other side of it. That might mean it's time to train your first person in the salon. Like there's a there, it doesn't mean you have to leave the thing, but every place wherever you're at, like I remember when I left behind the chair, probably $13,000 was my highest month. Uh, 2013, I left full time, I sold the salon. And at that time, 2013, that, you know, that felt a, like a lot to me. Now, yeah. nowadays I'm meeting people, they're doing 25, 26, you know, thousand a month behind the chair. Um, I didn't know that existed back then. And um, now I know that there was another level now, right now for me, education was where I was being called, you know, it was just in my heart, but now I know what's possible behind the chair. I go, there's a, there's another level. Right. Um, you know, and we, and we, we hear people now doing a million dollars a year, you know, at a chair. So like, there's always a next level always. to wherever you're at and you're not stuck where you're at. So if, if, if that next level is just not where your heart is, then there's, then there's vertical side sideways steps. It's right? like, so, I always say it's like a tree. The tree has, yeah all different branches and people say, I can't, I can't, I can't. I'm like, yes, you can. You're not a tree. You're yep. not planted and rooted any in anywhere That's and right. anything. It's That's totally right. up to you. That's if, right. if being behind the chair isn't working, you know, like you said, be a teacher, be a sales rep, be, yep. you know, a stage presenter, yep. um, you know, be a leadership coach, be an organized, like there's so yep. many different ways to still have that passion for, our industry, but go in a different direction, but it's the ones that stay stuck and just keep living groundhog day every day. Right. It just wears on you and affects 
every single part of your life in a negative way. And you don't even realize it because comfortable, it's the comfort zone, right? Everybody feels so comfortable in their routine, yeah, but they don't realize that there's like a greater routine, a greater everything right around the corner, but you just can't even see it because you're in such a routine. You're not even looking up to see. I was walking on the beach one day and, and to your point about the exercise, I do love my beach walks. That's about the extent of the exercise. Perfect. But I'm walking and it had rained a little bit and I look up and there's the most spectacular rainbow, like end to end, beautiful, vivid rainbow. And I'm walking and everyone that I came, you know, was walking past, they had their head down, they were on their phone or they were talking to another person. Like nobody was seeing this rainbow. And it was just such Mm -hmm. a, Mm -hmm. a perfect moment of like having your head down, being in the grind, doing the things, living in your routine and not even seeing what's right in front of you. That's so spectacular and beautiful. And what could possibly be more important than looking up and seeing that even if it's for five seconds, you know, yeah. so get your head out of your ass and look around and say, what, what have I been doing for the past year? And especially this time of year, I get a little funky because I overthink the year that just passed. Mm-hmm. You know, I really dig into metrics and analytics and what worked, what didn't, what could I be doing differently? What video needs to be redone? What topic needs to be talked about? What, you mm-hmm. know, where do I need to go from here? So much more than probably the average person. It's it's part of being a manifesting manifesting generator is my my um, human design, and I can't unzip the skin suit of the manifesting right. generator. Right. You know, I can't right. turn that off. I like um, that. But it's it's interesting just to see, you know, where it all takes you. And I love that you said. And I am older than you, by the way. I'm 55, so thank you for the compliment. You're you're younger than me. Um, so I'm 36 years behind the chair, 32 years owning a salon, mm-hmm. um, still have the same passion today as I did the day that I walked out of beauty school. And I'm so grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you and I are both very blessed to be able to be in a different role today than we were back mm-hmm. then. And, and really leaning into the fact that there is more and there's always more, there's always a new level. And you just have to just step into the unknown for what was that movie? Um, we bought a zoo where he's like, it just takes, oh, you know, yeah, that was great. so many seconds of bravery. But that line just lit my, all chills on the hairs on my arms. I was like, it's so true. You know, like when I was managing educators um, here, I noticed something that was, I'll never be able to unsee it. Educators that were successful, meaning people got to know them related to them wanted to come wanted them back in their salon you know i'll say the busiest right the most in demand because that's the easiest metric to measure if you talked with them about what they did they immediately brought it back to how the thing they did affected other people Mm. it was always about is my material real-time relevant helping people they can do it that next day tomorrow the ones that were equally talented but struggling to get work were always about themselves and look at what i just did wow i just did that and you can hear it in the message when they talk they say things like you know when I'm on stage, you know, when I'm blah, 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 like me, 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 me. And then you would see them crush down the people coming up 
mm-hmm. right? You would you could almost watch it happen um, because they were in fear that that person would get as good. I don't know, really know what it is, Threat, but that, yeah, that's threatened right. by them. Yeah, passing by them. Yeah. Now it's the same thing inside of a salon. Um, you know, if if you're starting to get fearful that the people that are coming into your salon are taking your clients, and I would say focus on your clients, and you won't have to worry about that. Focus on the customer service, make that shampoo amazing. Yeah, yep. yeah. you be amazing. You know, you focus on your, you'll never have to worry about this. The person next to you going to grow a business too, because hopefully yeah. they are, hopefully right? Hopefully they are, there's enough for everybody. Yeah, so that's, you know, kind of the thing. It's like, as you're growing through your career, what happens is, is when you're first the best shampoo tech, let's say, I'm just going to make up a name for that, in the salon, your next stage is teaching the next person how to be the best shampoo tech. So you can let that go. Yeah. Pay it forward you, and let it go. Exactly. And you're not letting go of your skill set. That's there. You're going, now it's your turn to be the superstar of shampoos. And I'm still going to sh- do the same thing when I'm at the bowl, but I'm going to pour into you. Then your next step is teaching, you know, the next person behind you, this next skill and next and next and next. The people that do that, you know, they're just more, you know, they just end up successful. I mean, there's just no other way to say it. When somebody gets to a point and then tries to hold on to their status, you're in for a tough ride. I love that. So much wisdom, Chris. We could talk for a four-hour podcast. How can people find you, get in touch with you, have you coach them and inspire them moving forward? Yeah. So I'm doing a couple of different things, but number one on Instagram, I'm at Chris Salome. I have purposefully not built a website yet. Maybe, maybe uh, I need to take a page out of your book. It just probably looks like too much work to me. Um, but I am in do, I am doing one and two day workshops in 2023 on personal development that leads to professional growth. Um, so I'm, I'm, um, I wrote a book on growing your business behind the chair, you know, some, some years back. And what we do is we marry those two topics. We start out with personal responsibility, owning where you're at. We talk about the four levels of leadership. We, we go deeper into the four phases of your career and where you're at. Um, And then we turn it out the other side into how do we make that develop income behind the chair, right? So and whether that's you're trying to develop into a leadership role or you're just trying to learn how to upsell, like, you know, whatever those things are. Um, so I'm doing those live and in person or on Zoom. Uh, and Zooms are much shorter than one or two days. I don't do anything more than a 90 minute on Zoom anymore. And then I'm also helping coaches like yourself develop video content. So it's another niche. And, um, you know, that's something more for our peer group of people that are building courses and things like that. So I'll be in a lot of salons in 2023. And, um, you know, even if you want to do a local event and bring a group of salons together, that, that always works really well as well. Awesome. I I have an idea. I'll run it by you when we, when we finish recording, that's like top of mind that I, I think would be fun. So, well, thank you so much for your time. This has been a great chat. I thank you all for listening and I hope you'll reach out to Chris and take one of his amazing workshops and uh, I will see you all on the next one. Thank you for listening to the Ask the Color Expert podcast. Please subscribe and be sure to leave a review. For more information on hair color education, 
please visit my website, www.expertcolorsolutions.com. See you soon.